and we're here. Hi everybody, a little late start today because um, we uh, had a problem with the webcam not being seen, but now it's been rebooted and it's being seen. Of course, if you're watching this on Facebook, you haven't got the faintest idea what I'm talking about, or uh, YouTube for that matter. Um, lots of news uh, this week, so I'll keep the introduction short. Uh, I think last time I was here I was saying, uh, I was hoping that the, um, the motion capture suit would get here. And uh, did it get here? Yes, yes, yes it did. Nice little piece of, uh, nice piece of work here, huh? So um, I've been waiting for this for uh, three months. And then after that, I had to wait another uh, month uh, because, um, because of chip shortage. Uh, so anyway, uh, I, I got the suit and I was like, so excited, ready to go, put it on, get going. Uh, only um, that's not how things worked. Uh, I, it got here on Thursday last week, and I spent the next three days, and I mean 18-hour days, honest to God, no exaggeration, three 18-hour days. Uh, now I'm a certified Wi-Fi technician. That's something I didn't know how to do before. Um, the, the suit is excellent, but it's a little finicky. Um, it's, uh, so it saw the 2.4G networks real well but it was kind of messy data and I wanted it on the 5G, but the 5G had to be on channel 36. And so they recommend a dedicated router, which I had to do and I had to fig figure out how to get that onto channel 36. Maybe easy to you if you already know all this stuff. But honestly, I spent a day just trying to wonder why, you know, that wasn't working. And I spent another two days going through the tutorials. I actually like uh, the people there and, I, and so far I like the suit, but man alive, I'll tell you what, this is the worst tutorial uh, manual situation you know just I am going to do a series of tutorials honest to God I am and they are going to be called no assumption tutorials I don't know how many times I have seen these things I go on the web to figure out how to do something I spend 30 minutes following every single step every single step and then you hear something like so I've already loaded this uh, project friend and it's like well I haven't I haven't it's not working great fantastic so, you know, the, the manual, the, the, the online tutorial, how to put on the suit. Okay, well, you slip one arm through here and the other arm through here and you zip it up. What about the legs? He's already in the legs. You know what I mean? It's like, it's so obvious to people who, who are deep inside of things that, that they just make these assumptions. And, uh, and I, I think it'd be really good to do a tutorial uh, that doesn't do that. Uh, so anyway, um, yeah, that, that, that was really heinous. The, uh, the, cause after I got the suit actually working, I recorded some, uh, animations and, uh, they were awful, but it's, you know, just a, just a test to see if it's recording. And then I, um, took those bad boys home and, uh, got them running in, um, Rococo studio. And now I want to live stream it. Do a tutorial on how to do tutorials. That's brilliant. Be fire. It's a cool name too. Uh, that's actually a very, very, very good idea. So now what I want to do is uh, I got the animation in there. Yeah. Okay. Great. Super. Uh, let me see how we stream this thing live because that way I can just do this show in real time. Um, CP Tome says in a year, Bill will be doing TSL on the suit with Unreal driving the live stream character. It, that won't be happening in a year. Uh, 
CP. Uh, that's going to be happening in just a couple weeks, I reckon. Uh, so we're very we're very close. Um, but anyway, so you know, so here's the thing. So I'm trying to do this thing streaming live, and you've got to build this these character blueprints. They're all flowcharts and blueprints and stuff, and it's like. Okay, so what you do is you open up this blueprint and then pause. You know, okay, open up the blueprint and then you go to uh, click on double click on the skeleton. Okay, pause. Double click on the skeleton. Got it. Then that'll let you get to the to the blueprint. Yep, got the blueprint. Put this here. Put this there. Put this here. Put this here. Put this here, and and you're good to go. That's half an hour of, of 45 minutes. Push the button. Nothing. Nothing. Um. So I spend another two hours doing it again and again and again trying to figure out which step I missed and then I realized I didn't miss any steps so I go looking and I find buried deep in there it's like hey here's the new tutorial on how to do uh, the uh, YouTube live stream uh, did the suit come with a manual <laughs> no if there'd been a manual I wouldn't have spent a week losing my mind no no it uh, it did not come with a manual um, and so I find this tutorial. It's like, here's the new updated method on how to do uh, the, the, uh, the, the live stream to Unreal. Oh, you know, if it had been me, I would have put a link to that on the old tutorial so that people who come to see the tutorial would know which tutorial to go to. So then we go through the process again. I do the tutorial five times. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. And then I find that there is actually a new, new tutorial, tutorial number three. And that didn't work either. And in all of this time that I'm wandering around and just, you know, some other guys got this and some other guys got that and reference to this guy and so on. And I'm just, I'm just absolutely burned out. And, and at the, just, it was like one of those four in the morning decisions it really was four in the morning. I say, like, all right, here's what I'm going to do. This T, this T post file and this um, bone mapping file that, that they've provided in the tutorial that don't work. I'm going to go to this other guy's tutorial and I'm going to take his files and plug them in here and see if that works. And I checked on Discord and I checked on everywhere, everywhere. Nobody, well, we, we don't have a solution. We don't know how to fix this for 4.26. Works in 4.27, don't know how to do in 4.26. So I took this guy's files from here, put them in here, compiled it, did all the steps on the tutorial. Bang, there it was. So I got it on the first date, mostly because uh, of the power of, uh, of persistence, vanity, and, uh, and trial and error. Um, so anyway, uh, it's here, it's running, and, um, and the live streaming stuff is cool. Uh, I had been, I have still been in contact with, um, with the future rule of the earth, uh, uh, Dictor Von Doomcock, and I believe we are going to be taping a show on Tuesday. Uh, Tuesday, huh? I want it to be, uh, I want to use it to launch a new channel. And he's talking about doing some new stuff too. So um, so supposedly on Tuesday, I think, 3 o'clock in the afternoon central, something like that. And um, I'm really looking forward to that. And, and if you want to know how much I'm looking forward to this and how long I've been looking forward to it, certainly since October, November. Um, so uh, what I'm going to do is um, I have my surgery on Monday and then the Doomcock show on Tuesday, and I decided I'd rather do the Doomcock show, honestly. The, t just the premiere episode, this isn't going anywhere, it's not getting any bigger, so I rescheduled that. Uh, final thing, uh, and then we'll get on with the questions. 
Um, we uh, a lot of people have been asking about Natasha's uh, citizenship. Uh, she actually is spending a couple days in Florida. Every now and then she needs to get to the beach. Uh, and uh, so she'll be back tomorrow night. But uh, yesterday, she went in for the N-400 interview, aced it. She got the first six right. Uh, yes, I do, I do know that, that, that Russia has invaded the Ukraine. I'll get to the questions in a minute. Um, and uh, so she got the first six right, and she, she would have gotten 100. I mean, we were, she was so prepared. Flew through the interview. Turns out there was some additional documentation they needed. So she passed the interview. She didn't have to do that again. But we need to see this, this, and those, so on, so, so forth. So I sent the documents in. I sent in a cover letter. And yesterday, uh, around, around 12.30 Pacific time, uh, we got an email saying that it had been approved. So that's wonderful, especially today. So she'll come back and, and get scheduled for the oath ceremony. Uh, now, on to the news. Um, uh, and Sarge says, and there's no beach in California? There are beaches in California, but the water is um, frozen. Uh, so um, here's, uh, and thank you very much. It's a nice thing to say, uh, Whittleson. Thank you. So I'll, I'll, I'll drag her in as soon as she's got the the certificate and the oath, I'll drag her in and you guys can batter around a little bit. Um, so uh, I'd known about the Ukraine uh, invasion, obviously. I'd, I'd known about the initial uh, incursion, small-scale incursion, which uh, the President of the United States uh, uh, assured uh, the Russian people and the Russian leader that that wouldn't be much of a problem. He said pretty much verbatim. Now we wouldn't probably do much if it was just a you know minor border incursion. So then I was, um, that was that, and uh, she's three hours ahead of me, so uh, phone rings at, uh, I don't know, 6.30 something this morning, and, uh, and it's my wife on the phone, and she's just crying her eyes out, and, uh, and this is when I found out about, you know, the scale of the, um, of the uh, little in border incursion there. And uh, she's crying her eyes out because because she felt so bad um, about about it. She just felt so bad. Uh, the um, I have a, a, a daughter-in-law. I can never get this right. A stepdaughter, right? Yes. I can never. I don't know why I have a block with this. Um, but anyway. Uh, Oh, there's Scott Hutt. Hey, hey. Thank you, Scott. Very nice of you. Um, so uh, here's the thing. Um, she she was really really upset, and and what I I have relatives now in in Russia, and not just in Russia in Sochi, which is right on the Black Sea. A little further around the coast than the Crimean Peninsula, but I didn't check though. It's got to be within a mile, hundred miles or two of um, of where the fighting is, and uh, all of the uh, airports are closed in the entire country. Uh, everybody is um, 
is really uh, freaked out over there. And um, and my wife was just, just sobbing. Uh, because first of all, her daughter and her mom, which is my daughter and my mom, are um, completely upset. But mostly, she was she was crying out of shame. Uh, and I can relate to that. Uh, she feels now the way that I felt watching that guy fall off that C-17 when they were flying out of the three guys fall out of that C-17 when they were flying out of Afghanistan six months ago. Um, she has a number of Russian-speaking friends here in America. They've all been talking nonstop. All of the Russians in America, apparently, because they all have friends in this big network, secret underground network designed to influence our elections, uh, they, um, they're furious, all of them. They're furious and they're very, very, very upset. Uh, they're racked with guilt and they're racked with rage at, at Putin. Uh, now, I also heard that we were going to go back. Natasha went and visited her family in Russia back in October. There was a little window there between when COVID was declining enough for her to get it in and out. And the day she came back, they locked down the country. So that was a that was a dicey thing. But I told uh, my mom and my daughter that I now have in Sochi that we would be out there for our birthdays. Natasha's birthday is one day away from mine. And uh, I said, we'll go we'll see you in April. I don't imagine that trip's going to be happening now. Um, and so she was so upset and so worried. And I, and I just had to say, look, honey, there, there are some things in life. So this is a personal take on it. We'll get to the political stuff in a minute when we get to the questions. Um, I said, honey, things like this are like earthquakes or hurricanes or, or, or wildfires or something like that. They're, it's a force of nature and you can't control it. It's beyond worry in a case like this is not going to do anything. It's absolutely, utterly beyond uh, your control and my control and, and so on. Um, and so I said, let's just look at the important things, you know. Mama's okay, yes. Diana's okay, yes. Then things are okay, because because uh, that's all that really matters, and everything else is just a nuisance. Now, I'm not specifically not talking about the actual Ukrainians. We'll get to them in a minute. I'm just talking about my family. Um, and uh, during the course of the day, she was sending me pictures of uh, Ukrainians huddling in. Uh, in the metro, just, you know, just all this stuff. She sent me a very impressive video of, of a lot of protesters. I mean, uh, four or five abreast to the horizon in one direction and then to the horizon in the other direction. All of them Russians, all of them saying no to war in Russian. I said, where the hell is this? It turned out it was Moscow. So um, the uh, this is going to be... Nobody knows, but I have some opinions, which is why you're here, I reckon. Um, so we'll get to those, but I saw one thing that I'm certain of, and I, saw, and I heard about one thing that is completely hearsay. Uh, I'm going to be doing a brief interview tomorrow. Uh, they asked me to talk about Russian military capabilities. I said if this were the Cold War, I could 
tell you why the Akula class is no match for the Los Angeles class, that kind of thing. But basically what I'm going to talk about tomorrow is I'm going to talk about uh, morale and I'm going to talk about uh, experience. Um, they have a, the Russians have a fighter called the, uh, the felon? It sounds right. It's their F-22 killer. And, and that's what they're calling it. And it looks like the 20, in fact, it's a badass looking machine. And it's designed, and, it, and it's, it's going to shoot down all the F-22s. Except that it hasn't done that yet. Um, and, and this is what I mean by experience. You can have extraordinarily competent and capable looking weapon systems, but that doesn't mean that they're going to work. And it also doesn't mean that you know how to use them. The, um, the most heinous part of having basically pushed out all the real warfighters from the U.S. military has been the fact that we have, is it that we lost their experience. We have 20, we've been at war for 20 years now. It's an entire generation. We're the only army in the world that has actual operational experience. And, um, and, and they don't, the Russians don't have that. Now, the one thing I saw, I saw a couple things. I saw a Ukrainian woman, probably 27, 28 years old, something like that, maybe a little bit older, maybe early 30s. And, uh, and she said, I got a rifle and I'm, I'm going out. I'm going out to the front. And uh, that really impressed me. I've had a lot of conversations about woman warriors and stuff, but my problem with them has been that they're, you know, throwing guys and wielding axes and swords and stuff. This, uh, this woman doctor dropping everything and putting on camo that she bought herself and taking a, a rifle and going out to the front impressed me. Um, the, uh, the, um, the, there are, the, the Ukrainian president did something that really kind of took my breath away. Uh, he basically said, look, we're going to, this is such an emergency and this is so overwhelming. We are going to open the armories and any citizen that wants to fight can come down and, and pick up a rifle and ammunition. And I thought, wow, that's ser serious and it's, and it's impressive. Now, the thing I'm going to be talking about tomorrow, because I'm not a real, uh, no longer really a big hardware expert, is I'm going to be talking about capability and I'm also going to be talking about uh, morale. Um, if, if you were, if you, needless to say, as far as I can see throughout history, um, uh, I got to stop looking at the comment section for, for a moment. Every time I've seen in history, the people who are defending their own country fight much harder than the people that are trying to conquer it. In fact, it can be extremely demoralizing entering uh, a country as the aggressor. We didn't feel that way about uh, Afghanistan because we weren't the aggressors there. I, I watched the World Trade Center come down and I remember saying, well, somebody's going somewhere. So, so a lot of it depends on the attitude. Now, here's the thing that I, a couple stories I heard again, again, um, a lot of this is, is hearsay and, uh, and you, we just don't know if it's true or not. So with that said, 
um, I had heard that a, uh, a significant group, something like a company, a platoon, something like that, of, uh, of Russians surrendered. Uh, and they surrendered because they didn't know they were going to Ukraine to go invade the Ukraine. They were told they were going someplace else to do something else. That could be a war rumor. It's got the ring of a war rumor, but it also has the ring of, of truth. Uh, I saw a picture of two Russian prisoners, children, basically. Um, and the last I heard was that in, in the fights for these two airfields outside of Kiev, uh, the Russians had taken one of them and then the Ukrainians had taken it back, had, had fought and gotten it back. If that's the case, then this could be a just the, 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 the unmitigated disaster for Russia. I'm just speculating based on, on on the wildest of you know wild rabbits out there, but the Ukrainian morale seems to be high. The Russian morale, on the weakest of anecdotal stories, does not seem to be high. That tells me, and also much more concrete things like their logistics problem, tells me that he's going to have to do this fast. And what I mean by do it is he's going to have to, he's going to have to. A win for Putin is where he removes the government of the Ukraine, replaces it with their own government, and then shuts down the kinetic war and just goes to kind of a peacekeeping suppression thing. Um, did I see the video of two Ukrainian MiG-29s hunting Russian ground assets? I did not. Um, but this kind of gamble, which is, look, we were talking about this um, three weeks ago on Right Angle, and Steve said they don't have the logistical capability to do it. I think all three of us said we don't think that's going to happen. We don't think it can happen. But it did happen. And that's just not that we're infallible, but, but, the, but the scale of, of the gamble, right, the, just the magnitude of the, of the dice roll that he's taken is kind of breathtaking. I mean, he is alone now. There's no question... He had recently had a summit with um, uh, China with Xi Jinping or whatever Winnie the Pooh's name is. Uh, and I have no doubt whatsoever, because this whole thing is unfolding like World War II. It's exactly, precisely like World War II. It's exactly, precisely like it. We had, um, we had a, a weak leader of the West who... who telegraphed weakness and and lack of resolve advertised it and now and he went in with the same claim as, as Hitler went into the Sudetenland right okay yeah these are German people here in, in in this part of Czechoslovakia we're just protecting our own people we're peacekeepers they're the aggressors they're, they invent these crimes against the the um, Sudeten Germans and then you put in German tanks and, and then you get half of uh, of Czechoslovakia, and then once half of it is gone, you get the other half. Uh, and now I'm convinced that it's not like brilliant insight, but surely, surely Russia and China came to an understanding about this before he went in. 
it's just like Russia and 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 uh, Nazi Germany, the Soviets and the Nazis coming to an agreement about Poland. All right, we're not going to mess with you on this if you don't mess with us on on that. China basically, you know, said, "Oh, that's not shame on you." Um, but the rest of the world is stunned. I'm not stunned. I've been. I'm not the slightest bit stunned. Uh, in the right angles we shot on Tuesday, you know, tell again the most the most remarkable true story in all of history. Uh, we got the records uh, for the um, Oberkommando der Wehrmacht, the uh, OKW, German High Command, after the war. And we got to see the internal memos and documents and and logs of the German generals as they were writing them in real time. And what those records reveal was that when Hitler first made his gamble, the first gamble was to march into the Rhineland. After World War I and the Treaty of Versailles had taken a big part of Germany, an important part, a strip along the side bordering France, which is the Rhine, and basically declared a demilitarized zone. It was still German. There were French troops in there for a long, long time. But it was still German, and the Treaty of Versailles said you cannot bring any armed units into this area. You can't bring soldiers, you can't bring planes, tanks, none of that stuff. And Hitler decided to test it. So that's what he did. So he marched into the Rhineland, and the West did nothing. And after that, it was the, it was the Sudetenland, and then it was the rest of Czechoslovakia as the annexation of, of, of Austria invasion of Poland, the defeat of France, and next thing you know, you've got full-on World War II, the greatest catastrophe in human history, on your hands. But here's the part that's heartbreaking. The German generals, is not what my speculation is, not what American speculation is, the German generals said in real time, as it was happening, that if the French had put up the slightest bit of, of resistance, anything, token resistance, then Hitler would have turned around, and if Hitler turned around, the, the, the generals were ready to just basically chuck him in a coup. Um, and they went, somebody went so far as to say, if a, if a French police constable, one policeman, had been standing on that bridge when the German troops started to march and he didn't get out of the way, that we wouldn't have had World War II. You just think about that for a minute. Just think about that. The... Uh, you know, there it is. So when, when you telegraph weakness, all you're doing is kicking the can down the road because it just means that instead of doing little things now, we'll have to do bigger things later. And the longer it takes, the messier it's going to get. Um, a number of people in the comments section have said that uh, that Taiwan is going to drop, and that doesn't surprise me either. I, I now Taiwan. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on Taiwan because it's purest of speculation. But look, if I'm looking at the chessboard, and I'm an evil commie son of a bitch, uh, I'm thinking now is the time, right? Now is the time. If you're going to do it. Then, you, then now is the time. You're going to make that invasion to, to Taiwan. Give the Ukraine time to just kind of build up a little head of steam and then just do it. 
the United States is already wandering around confused. Our ambassador is, is talking about the amazing uh, diplomacy that we, that we used, which doesn't strike me as an amazing piece of diplomacy on account of you know, Kiev being bombed and stuff. And so since my perception is, is, that the, is that Joe Biden has a relatively difficult time telling you what day it is, if it turned out he had two major wars on his hands with the two, with the two greatest other powers in the, in the world besides us, uh, then um, it's, it's hard to imagine that he would do it, he, that, he would, that he would defend them. A lot of great comments in there. Uh, one I want to read from, uh, live, from John Pershing, because I, I read an analysis of this earlier, and I think he's dead right. He says, lots of countries are going to go nuclear. If the U.S. won't back them up, they need their own ability. When the Soviet Union dissolved, the United States of America made a promise to the Ukrainians, and they said, if you give up your nuclear weapons, we will protect you from Russia forever. Um, and uh, so they did. Uh, why, um, why is that just so disgraceful to me? Um, well, everybody knows why, because we sold them out. We said we'd, we said we'd back them, and we didn't. And if we had, then this war wouldn't have happened. So here's, here's what I would have done if I was the president. When I saw this buildup starting to get really serious, I would basically take... I'd put a hundred volunteer army rangers on each one of the highways, let's say four highways leading into Ukraine. And I would put them one nautical mile behind the border on the Ukrainian side. And then I would get on the phone and I would say words to the effect of, uh, Vladimir, once you do this, you won't be able to get out because it'll, then it'll be an issue of face, right? But I'm telling you, we are going to give you one nautical mile of error. But if any vehicle goes past that one nautical mile inside of Ukraine, we're going to open fire with, with our javelins. And you're going to have to kill Americans to continue that invasion. I'm just letting you know. And the reason I chose nautical miles, Vlad, is because I've just been talking to the Navy. Uh, you know, we have... Uh, 11, soon to be 12 carrier battle groups. And when you have 12 carrier battle groups, Vladimir, the main problem is they get bored, you know? In and out, back and forth, train, 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 train. They're getting bored. So I might just deploy a few of those into the Black Sea or certainly within range of the Black Sea. And I am not threatening you because there is one promise that I could make, and that is we're not going to fly over Russian territory. We're not going into Russian territory. But if you cross that line, then you're going to have to kill us to do it. Now, in the comment section, we see, oh, good, another war. This is the thing you don't understand, right? This is the thing that nobody understands when they hear me talking this way. They think, they think oh, Bill, we just can't wait for another war. If he had done that, there wouldn't have been a war. That's the entire point of all of this. That's the entire point. If he had, if, if a president had done something like that and said it and meant it, not just sounded like he meant it, meant it, was willing to do it. If that had happened, then this wouldn't be going on. 
It would not have happened. It would not have happened. He could not take that risk. The risk he's taking now is monumental. But if, if the United States has troops there, this is the tripwire idea, right? This is why we have troops in Europe still and why we have troops in South Korea still is because if either one of these guys decide that they want to launch an invasion, they're going to have to kill Americans in order to do it. And they don't want to do that because if they do, they know they're going to be messing with, with, with us. And they don't want to mess with us. And I am heartily tired of, 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 of this guy threatening uh, the world and his threat about his veiled threat about nuclear weapons. Another conversation I would have with Vladimir on the phone if I was the president of the United States is pretty much like this. You know, Vlad, here in America, you're, you're well aware of our Wild West background. And I know you think we're all a bunch of cowboys. And, you know, you may actually be right about that. But let me tell you something about about your threat for unimaginable consequences. Back in the Old West, it was pretty much assumed that if you drew a gun on somebody, you had better kill them. Because when somebody draws a gun on you and has a gun pointed at you, you have now raised the level of ambient risk up to the point where it is intolerable. So if you are threatening this country with nuclear war, I'm going to take that as a drawn gun. Is that what you're saying? Let's be clear here, you know, you and I together. Let's just be clear. You, you threaten unimaginable consequences. Are you saying that if we defend the border of Ukraine, that that will cause a nuclear war with the United States? Because if you are saying that, then you have drawn your gun against us. And that is another whole level of, of, of shit that you really don't want to get into. Really, really. This, this is the thing. Now, Tiki Rocket says something that I think is really interesting. It's the first thought I had. He said, we should have invested heavily in the Russian economy and made them rich, make them a rich ally like we did with Japan and Germany. That was my first thought, my first thought. And then I had a second thought. And that second thought is what kills the first thought. We were able to, we were able to lift Japan and Germany up and make them allies because they were defeated. The Russians were not defeated. The Soviets aren't here anymore, but they weren't defeated. That only works when you have leveled them. They have to know they have lost and they have to know that everything they fought for is over and gone. Then you can rebuild a society on, on a, 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 you know, a, a civilized basis. So here come the comments, Bill. I know you don't want a war and you wouldn't have, and you would have been tough to prevent it, but this is where we are now. No war, no American blood to fight somebody else's battle. Had enough of power-hungry SOBs sending people to die in someone else's mess. Here's the problem with this, right? Right now, it's someone else's fight. And if, if he isn't stopped, then it will be our fight. This is how it works. This is how it works. If, if... The, he gets away with this. Then not just him, but everybody else in the world is going to know, okay, that's it. We just do what we want to, and, and, and America will write a harshly worded letter. Okay? That's it. Th this is not something that can be rebuilt from the ground up. It's too late to, to deter them now. Okay? It's too late to deter them. You could have. In fact, you practically invited them. But this is not Joe Biden's war and it's not Joe Biden's fault. This is Vladimir Putin's aggression 
I think Joe Biden could have prevented it, but that's not the same thing as causing it. So I just think that that this is what happens when you not only lower your guard, but when you project weakness. When you have a military that says that our greatest challenge facing America militarily is climate change and gender equality, then that is essentially a gigantic, you know, it, it, it's, like a, it's like a for sale sign on the border. It really is. It's, it's begging them to do it. And, and you cannot treat people like Vladimir Putin that way or China. These guys are not like us. This is the part of the thing that these, that these damn idiot progressive liberal left-wingers cannot understand. This, these people are not like us. They're not rational and reasonable in the same way we are. They are ruthless in a way that we do not understand. We're not dealing, I almost said with Canada, and I meant old Canada, but nevertheless, you can have a conversation with those people. We have shared values and so on. They're essentially democracies. And if you show this kind of weakness to these people, it's not a, it's not a question, do we want to go to war or not, right? This is how I see it in terms of history. The question is, is he is going to be stopped or he's not. And the question is, do we do it now when it doesn't cost us anything? Well, that train has already left. Do we do it when it costs us just a little bit? Probably still have time to catch that one. Do we do it when, when it's now an entire regional war? Or do we do it when it's a world war? Because the thing that I have learned about people like Stalin and and Hitler, and Stalin especially, because Putin is a KGB guy, is that they are not like us. They will take whatever they think they can get away with, and they have gotten away with a lot. But I do notice that when they invaded uh, Georgia in 2008, that was lame duck presidency, and everybody knew Obama was going to win that. So they knew they had a, a left-wing socialist basically coming into power. And then they invaded in 2014, they invaded the Ukraine. And then they didn't do anything for four years. Then suddenly they did do things again. Why do you think that is? Why do you think that? It's not going to be a nuclear war. There's not. There's not, there's not going to be a nuclear war. It's just not going to happen. But what, what do you do now? There is, there's not, there's not going to be, that's just not going to happen. Okay. The only, the only uh, face saving fallback position here is, is for us to say, well, it wasn't a NATO country, because if it if if a NATO country goes down to Russian aggression, then then okay, then we gotta we gotta just get ready to do it again, because we can't learn, because we can't learn, because we're incapable of learning. And we're not talking about ancient history here. There's still people alive who remember that, right? Barely. Barely. When you're dealing with this kind of person, there is only one thing that they understand. It's, 
It's not like it's not like Vladimir Putin suddenly appeared and started putting pressure on the Ukrainian border. He's been putting pressure on the Ukrainian border the whole time. What he's waiting for is for this side to weaken. That's what he's waiting for. He's always pushing, always. And when that weakness comes, he is now faced with a choice. It's either now or never. And he's, he took the now. Oh boy. Edward Smith says, Bill, did you hear about the woman in the Ukraine who gave a Russian soldier sunflower seeds to keep in his pockets so flowers would grow when he died in Ukrainian soil? There's another factor here. And it's a very important factor. And, and this, is the, this is the Vietnam. Uh, this is the factor that we first saw in Vietnam. Pictures tell a, a lot. Um, so with everybody has a camera and can upload to YouTube, the ugliness is going to be seen by everybody. And this entire world is not ready for that. So, yeah, well, there's a bit of an argument going on here in the comment section between two people, and one of them is saying, so great, so it's just another bo boogeyman for us to be afraid of. Uh, I don't, I don't, um, a, a boogeyman is a, is a creature that you invent. He's fictional. He's something that you create in order to scare people. That's what a boogeyman is. A real guy with real army and tanks and aircraft is not a boogeyman. He's a threat. And, and that's the difference. It's, so, so peace and deterrence is a, is a war like any other kind of war. And now we have been overrun on our front line. I'm talking about deterrence now. I'm not talking about military. I'm talking about the idea of deterrence. The front line, which we have fortified and which we held and which we had the, which, when I say fortified, we, there, there was a moral line that they crossed when they went into Ukraine. Now, a couple of people have said, don't they have a right to, to determine themselves, these, these, these regions with pro-Russians? They talk about Ukrainian repression. All of this may be true. All of it may be true. But if those regions are going to secede and join, uh, join Russia, that's their business. But that happens politically. That doesn't, that's not a justification for tanks and, and bombing Kiev. So, since we no longer can defend the moral line of, this is a sovereign nation whether you like it or not, it is, and it has been for 30 years now, and had been before uh, uh, the Soviet Union as well. So, what do you do now? So uh, again, we're getting Bill Al-Qaeda and the Taliban were actual threats. We watched 9-11 happen. The worst part about 9-11 was our response to it and our sacrificing of rights and liberties in the name of false a sense of security. I agree about the sacrifice of rights and liberties. I disagree about the false sense of security. You may remember Al-Qaeda, Al and the reason you don't hear about Al-Qaeda anymore is because Al-Qaeda is dead now, and there's something like 40,000 of them buried in the sands of Iraq. Uh, 
So, nobody likes this. There is no good option. There's nothing where people say, hey, this is fantastic. Great news, Bill. We're the 100%. Anything I say here tonight, anything I say here is going to be is going to be criticized, and rightfully so, because there is not a good solution here. There isn't. And I just cannot understand how you could have such monumentally clear moral precedents and still not be able to understand this fundamental truth. It's just, I just, I just don't know, you know, what to say about it. Um, so anyway, uh, let's take some uh, questiones here. It's just a bloody mess. And it, and this is one person's war. This is one person's war. There's one person responsible for this. And I that reminds me an awful lot of, of some recent history, too. So let's see what the questions are here. By the way, before I get to these questions, let me just add one important thing here. This, to me, is, is yet another example, and I'm seeing them coming in faster and faster and faster now, of something that is happening around the world. The Russian people didn't want this. There is, there is somebody said in the comment section, a thousand protesters were arrested today. Just, just seeing an endless line of protesters in the streets of Moscow is something. But what is getting clear, I think, all around the world is that the people who are leading the countries that they represent are at war with their own people. That's true in Australia. It's true in Canada. It's true in the United States. It's true in Russia. These people have gone to war against their, their own citizens. You know who's going to pay for this, right? Because, because uh, Biden said he, that, that they're going to freeze every Russian asset in the world. So who pays for this? Does, does, does Vladimir Putin suffer from this? No, of course he doesn't. He essentially owns Russia. He essentially owns it. So, um, so who pays? Well, I'll tell you who pays. My daughter pays and, and my mom over there, Natasha's parents and mother and, and daughter, which are now mine, they're who pay. They're the ones who lose businesses. They're the ones who, who, who have food shortages. They're the ones that can't travel. They're the ones that have to deal with all of this opprobrium and guilt and shame and all the rest of it. They're the ones. Vladimir doesn't pay jack. He is not going to be personally affected by any of this. My wife, after talking to her, I don't know, a day maybe, maybe our first day, second day, she said something that was the most profound observation about the current situation in Russia that I have ever heard before or since. She started by telling me that I knew more of her country's history than she did, and that was probably true, at the time anyway. Natasha said, I said, what do you think about, about Putin? And Natasha said, Putin loves Russia. It's the Russian people he doesn't care about.
what else do you have to say, right? That's really it. That's really it. What else do you have to say? He doesn't care about the Russian people, which brings me to another gigantic topic, which we're going to have to postpone until next week because i got to get through these questions, and I do have a hard out tonight. Coming up quickly, actually. I thought I'd just do 10 minutes. I did an hour. Um, and that is, what, what, what is all of this about? I mean, all of it, right? Because these, these reptiles are talking about their fourth industrial revolution where you won't own anything. and every, no, nobody, You won't own anything and you'll be happy. That's what, that's what Schwab is saying, people like that, right? What is life about? To me, life is about the individual happiness of individual people. That's it. And I think my goal in life would be for everybody to be as happy as they can possibly be without affecting the happiness of someone else. It's actually very, very, very simple. I'm in favor of maximum happiness, and I'm willing to do whatever it takes to do that. And so what do these reptiles think this is about? What do they think life is about? This doesn't enter their head. It doesn't enter, they, they just don't have that emotion. They don't, they don't see and feel that there are civilians or all the rest of it. It's just a giant power game. It's just a big power game, power play. They don't connect to the fact that this is, so, so why are the leaders of the world going to war with their own people? And we could talk about the recent pandemic as, a, as another uh, uh, point on this, on this graph. Why? This is a question, it's not a rhetorical question. What is it that motivates them? Power, money? They already have all the money they could ever possibly want I want to know, I want to know what Bill Gates wants, and I want to know what Klaus Schwab wants, and I want to know what Anthony Fauci wants. That's what I want. That's what I want. I want to know what they want. We cannot fight them until we know what their objectives are, right? How can you defend yourself against an enemy when you don't know what their objectives are? We know a pretty good idea what, what Putin's objectives are. We knew what the Japanese objectives were on December 8th. So what, what are their objectives? I know what, I know what their, let me rephrase that. It's not so much their, what are their motivations? I know that they think that, 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 that fully digital currency and that kind of thing is essentially Pearl Harbor. I understand that. They don't want the fully digital currency because of fully digital currency. They want it so that they control people, but what do they want? Let's say they had everything they want. What, what, what is it? What do they want? Marusha Dark says they view themselves as stewards of the earth on a moral crusade to save and protect humanity from occult forces. I believe that is what the second tier on down believes, but I don't believe the top tier believes that at all. I don't think they believe it at all. I think, I think all of them. Are, are on some level wrapped up in the post-human future. That's what they want. They want the post-human future. I kind of want the human future. 
Johnny Frost. There's the answer, right? It's just that simple. It's just a, it's a, it's a one, it's a, what, what is it? Five, it's a five word answer. It's one simple sentence. They want to be God. That's it. They want to be God. It's that simple. Putin wants the power and the prestige of the, of the Russian empire back. I'm not talking about him. What does Zuckerberg want? What does Bill Gates want? What, is, what, what, what does Fauci want? They want to be God. They want to be God. And, and we are their test subjects, and we're also their host organism. Yeah. Oh, hey. How are you, buddy? Uh, they want to rule hell and not live in heaven. Okay. Next week, depending on what the news is doing, we'll talk more about this fourth wave, uh, fourth industrial uh, revolution and, and a transhuman future and, and why all that, what that means. But now I'm going to chew through these questions as fast as I can, and then I got to go. Uh, come on. See, I don't want to be God. You could give me the power, and I would I would throw it away as fast as I can because I know what it would do to me. I don't need to tell other people what to do. We're talking about Zoe for the first time on the Virtue Signal today. Zoe brought the first topic that he brought in, and his topic was was Jesus a socialist? And I said no, he wasn't because he wasn't a weenie. That's why. But basically, I said, look, if I, here's the thing about being an individualist, I don't care if socialists want single payer health care; they can have it. They just can't have it and exclude all of the other choices. And if the government can print money, then it excludes the other choices. I don't give a damn what they do. I don't give a damn. I don't care what they do. I don't care what they think. But they have to mess with us. They have to have some kind of control. They're just, wow. They're just really, 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 really bad people. And I'm not saying they're subhuman. I am saying they're inhuman. They don't feel things the way that we do. They don't have empathy. All right, here we go. I get as many of these as I can. Uh, and I'm going to have to be quick. So G.K. Masterson, um, I'm, it's about the Canadian protesters. Yeah. Uh, so he asked also, what does the missus think about the whole thing with Ukraine? I led with that. Um, the, the, I just finished a moving back to America called the, the Deep State Surpuses. And, and basically what I said is for these such a m microscopic minority of people that are trying to pull off this worldwide coup against the people that they elected them, the people that are forming vaccine concentration camps in Australia and the, and the, and the cops that are knocking little old ladies around, uh, you know, up in um, Ottawa and all of their uh, higher ups. They, they didn't come. Those, those cops in Canada didn't just appear. Those fascists have been there for 20 years. They've just been promoted. So 
when when you see the when you see the actual tyranny in action, it's like a submarine that's come to the surface, and on the surface, the sub is a sitting duck. We have to see it before we know we can fight. Not even before we know we can fight. We have to see it before we know we have to fight. There's a fascist state to the north of the United States of America, and there's a certainly a pretty good foothold of one right here. But we are not governed. We are not neighbors with the, the most decent, polite, and and uh, and charming civil people on the planet. Those are not our neighbors. Well, they are, but that, that's not people calling the shot anymore. Now, our northern border is run by fascists. Something to think about. I never thought of Canada that way. I still don't think of Canadians that way, and I never will think of Canadians that way. But if this kind of government stays in place there, now that's another thing we have to, that we have to think about. And we got our own problems here. Um, so I'm going to kind of gloss over that a little bit, uh, GK, other than just I think I know a lot of this is, um, uh, you know, uh, stuff. So here's what I'm going to do. Uh, I'm going to if I'm going to skip anything that's not Ukraine. Uh, and if I skip your question today, please repost it and I'll, and I'll try to get to it next week. Um, Okay, this is on point. Uh, Bill, what are the chances? Can you believe that the closest friend and confidant of Jeffrey Epstein, other than Ghislaine Maxwell, has now died in the exact same way as Jeffrey himself? What are the chances? They're not zero, but zero is the closest round number. His alleged suicide hanging mm -hmm. will likely fuel conspiracy theories around the Epstein case. I want to deal with that term conspiracy theory. I have always thought conspiracy theories, my definition of a conspiracy theory is a proposition that is unsupported by evidence. That's why I call it a conspiracy theory. If you've got evidence, now it's a theory. And if your evidence is good, you'll change my mind. This is not theory anymore. This is not theory anymore. This is evidence now. The chance of this happening is zero. It's zero. These people are murdered in broad daylight, in front of everybody, and, and a lot of other stuff is happening in front of everybody's eyes, and they just get away with it. They just get away with it. Hillary Clinton is walking around free. She should be in jail for not having turned in her records. Doesn't matter if they were, if they were confidential, top secret, or whether they were a, a, a bulletin about the, about the uh, presidential picnic. If you don't turn in, all of those records, that's a felony. If you try to alter or erase them, that's a second felony. There's no question that she did these two things, so why isn't she in jail? That's a data point. That's evidence. That's not speculation. That's not fantasy. That's not hearsay. That's real. That's real. That really happened. It really happened. The FBI colluded with her in order to delegitimize the president of the United States. That actually happened. 
It actually happened. I'm not making it up. If, if somebody was speculating about this, then I would be where I was a year and a half ago. That's, it, it's, it's just too complex. Nobody can run something. It's just, it, no. But Donald Trump absolutely nailed it. He just absolutely nailed it. So the difference between a conspiracy theory and, and, and confirmed fact is 6 to 12 months. That's how it's playing out anyway. Um, so, yeah. Jeffrey Epstein's friend Jean-Luc Brunel in prison, quote, suicide, unquote. French modeling agent who Virginia Roberts accused of procuring women for financier is dead after, quote, hanging, unquote. I'm glad those, I'm glad those um, quotation marks are there. So what are we going to do about it? I already know the answer to that. But, but, I feel, I feel the pushback. Oh, somebody in the comments section mentioned um, Justin Trudeau being Castro's son instead of Pierre Trudeau's. He sure looks like Fidel and he doesn't look anything like Pierre. And his mother, Pierre's wife, is basically falling off of Castro when he came to visit. So I think that's, that, see, that thing, that kind of thing is the kind of thing that's nice because it can be proven yes or no immediately if you had the means of just getting a blood sample from the guy. But somebody called him, this is my favorite, somebody called him Castro, C-A-S-T-R-A-U-X. Castro. Uh, okay, here we go. Ian Nolan. Bill, any advice for broaching politics with friend and family who haven't yet seen the light? And how much does it vary by the state they're in? I'm more concerned about their mental state than their geographical location. Those I'm thinking of fall into a few categories. GFD Democrats who can't seem to realize the party has shifted. People who think they're apolitical but just go along with the narrative. People who have actually brought you into who have actually bought into the various critical theory of Marxism. If it was just arguments about the best level of taxation and spending, I wouldn't care, but it's obvious at this point that things are no longer left uh, versus right, but rather tyrants eager to seize all freedoms versus the rest of us, even longtime Democrats such as Tulsi. And I'd really like said friends and family to come to this realization as well. That's a great question. I think I would probably start with something like this. What would it take? I'm not saying this exists, right? This is, you got to get right out of the trenches. You got to come right at this without, without, you know, saying, I'm not asking you to admit that this stuff that I'm saying is true is true. I'm not asking you to admit that at all. What I'm asking is, what level of evidence would it take in order to convince you if it were true. You think it's not true? Let's agree that it's not true, okay? Let's just agree that that's not true. But if it were true, what kind of evidence would you need in order to believe it? Right? If I saw a video of Donald Trump shooting a guy in the back of the head, 
I'd become convinced. What would it take? And then when you and then when you find out what it will take, you're likely to find one or one of two things. Either what it would take is so unreasonable, but more likely you'll find some version of there is no there, there is no standard of evidence that it would take me. I, I will believe what I believe regardless. Regardless of the evidence, I will believe what I believe, and you can't change my mind about it. And that's where a lot of people are. Uh, we've seen a few comments of this earlier, uh, that the left is saying that the, that the right is celebrating this and that, and that we're cheering for Putin because he's white and Christian. Well, he's white. Uh, so what kind of projection is this? Have you heard a single conservative who's in favor of this? We're the ones who were saying you should have stopped it before it could happen. So they're just projecting it. And, they're, and they continue to, well, those people are mentally ill. They really are. They're really mentally ill and they, and they need to, they just need to be left alone. It's the people who, who it's the people who are reasonable people. I always ex accept, not accept, accept significant portions of the American public because they don't know that they don't know and they have no way of knowing that they don't know. The reason conservatives have a skeptical attitude about Victrolas and, and, and pandemics is because up until the beginning of the, of the pandemic, we were already skeptical about the news because we know that they had lied about us before. So since we'd known they'd lied about us before, we have learned how to get the information firsthand without going through CNN. And so when CNN says something now, we automatically don't believe it. How would you know that if you were somebody who, who was not specifically targeted by the mainstream media? You'd have no way to know. You'd have no way to know. Listen, I think in February, uh, February, I think in, in November, we are going to see an, a, a historic, I mean, I mean a number one in history, historic election. I think it is going to be a bloodbath for them, a bloodbath. I don't think anybody appreciates how big this is going to be. When San Francisco is pushing its most liberal school board members off of the school board because they're too progressive, and then those school board members are accusing the San Francisco progressives who kicked them off of being white supremacists, this is how the philosophy eats itself, you see? This is how it, this is how it eats itself. So you got these three super radicals on this San Francisco school board, they get kicked off for being too radical. What do they do? They say the people who are so bloody progressive that they live in, in, in San Francisco and put their kids in public school, those people are racist now. So now you've got people who used to be as far left as you could go being accused of white supremacy because they fired these three people. Every time that accusation goes out there, it makes people Republicans. And I'm not saying it's if it, it, it happens once, it's automatic, but the more it happens, the more people are going to realize. I'm not a racist. I just would rather have you concerned about the schools rather than renaming statues while you're a white supremacist. I'm not a white supremacist. I'm a, I'm a good liberal. Well, 
I am a good liberal, and I'm not a racist, but they accuse me of being a racist, which I don't like. Wait a minute. What about other people that they've accused of being racist? This is how it works. This is how it works. Um, there is a there is a an enormous push coming, and I personally think that this is the time to. I'm not saying shake hands. I'm not certainly not saying surrender or give ground. What I do think is it's time for us to make new allies, at least temporarily, right? Because a lot of the things I used to believe in, I don't believe in anymore. So why don't we make it about the people who are doing the ruling who are not elected versus all of the rest of us who are, who are getting, you know, boned by this? Why don't we do that? And and furthermore, our case gets much stronger. When I was on my uh, my tirade about what I would have done to deter Putin, what I what I should have added to that was, I would not have been on that phone call by myself. I would have said, "Hey, here we are. It's a Zoom call, Vlad. Here we are. Leaders of the twentieth biggest, the twenty biggest economies in the world, with the exception of China. We know you've already made your little Zoom call to them." But here's what we're all saying, and they've asked me to speak for them. When you make this an international issue in terms of Ukraine, you gain moral authority. When you make this fight against cheating elections and, and control of people through fear and pandemics, when you make that an international thing, you gain allies and you, and you, you loosen people who, who might be against you because you're, they're convinced that you're a racist Republican, but if you're making the case that this is happening in Great Britain and it's happening in Germany, happening in Austria, it's happening in Canada, now you're giving them grounds to, to come out of their trenches. Um, this is... Uh, how, how you convince people... You know what I would do, actually? This is the answer I would go with, Ian. I would ask them, if you've if you got somebody you disagree with, I would ask them to explain to you, as take as much time as you want to. Tell me what you believe. Tell me what you believe in. And then I would look for evidence that nobody could ignore. You know, I believe in universal health care. Single-payer government health care? Yes. Okay, if I could show you evidence that Canadians who have single-payer health care come to America and pay extra cash to get procedures done because they can't get them done in Canada, would that do anything to influence your opinion? If I could show you that large numbers of people, especially the people higher up, come to America and pay cash for procedures because their single-payer health care system can't deliver it. Would that be something that might change your mind about single-payer health care? And if they say no, then say, well, what would? How do you know you're right? We don't have single-payer health care. You believe it's right, but you don't know it's right. I'm perfectly susceptible to those kind of arguments. Right now, I might as well just tell you this because I'm going to have to go and I'm, I'm, you know what? Here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to do. All right, I'm going to promise you this. 
I'm going to do another Stratosphere Lounge. I'll probably do it. I have a uh, couple of interviews on Monday. I'll just do another one on Monday. This just, I'll just do one. I'm not saying I'll do them every Monday, but I'll do one on Monday. Um, and and I'll get to the rest of these uh, these questions. Um, Ian Ian says uh, I was a liberal at first. The real world made me a right winger in my twenties. Yeah, same for me. P.J. O'Rourke made me a right winger. I passionately believed in things I knew nothing about. Nothing. I didn't know anything about them. I just had a very very violently passionate opinion about things. So, see, here's the thing about uh, about. people who who have this vague sense of things when you ask them about the particulars they get flummoxed and often you'll find that that's that's enough to loosen them i had a 20 minute conversation with somebody who absolutely 100% believed in chemtrails and so i said okay so they're spraying chemicals on 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 the american people yep and are they doing this in, in military jets? No, no, private jets. All, that's why you see all these chemtrails all the time from commercial airliners. Commercial airliners are putting this out. Okay, so tell me how they load the poison onto the airplanes and tell me how they shoot it out the back. What do you mean? Well, you're talking about crop dusting 2,000 mile long stretch, right? a lot of chemicals so how did they get those poisons that they're dropping on people into the airplane and how does it come out again are there i mean there's nobody opening a, a back door and pitching it out in buckets i think we can agree on that right so there's got to be some kind of nozzles or something on the back of the airplane that are spraying all this stuff out right yeah that's it yeah that's right so that means that that means that baggage handlers can detect this right what about the pilots? You're telling me of the hundreds of thousands of pilots in the world, not one of them is going to come forward with hard evidence? No, because they're getting paid, and if they and if they um, if they uh, if they squeal, then they'll be killed. Okay, all right. So, first of all, there's no deathbed confessions, but more importantly, more importantly, you're telling me that these pilots are poisoning their own children and and more importantly than this they are also being poisoned by other pilots who are flying overhead is that what you're saying that they're in on the poisoning they're poisoning the people they love and when they're not flying poisoning other people they're down here on the ground being poisoned and they know it and now now they start to get a little little back up you know start to get a little on the on the on the on the back foot and you say something like how much liquid would it take to crop dust the entire United States it's a way to figure that out right I mean a crop duster is smaller than a commercial jet but these things just make several passes and they have to go back and retank a better example uh, a, a firefighting airplane, right? Drops water on a on a fire. Well, it drops water and then it goes back and gets more water. 
right? All of this, these kind of things, these kind of things are, are, are how you reason people out of these kind of beliefs. And there are a lot of things that I've seen and continue to see that I cannot reason myself out of. Uh, I, I just can't. Um, so I am constantly doing an, a, a fire assay on everything I believe. And some of this stuff is surviving it. In fact, a lot of it is, is surviving it. You know, a lot of stuff that I see that I just find incredible is I, I can't disprove it. Try as much as I like. Uh, let's see. I can I do one more. Yeah, I've talked a lot about Ukraine. This is... Yeah, it's a picture of the Apollo uh, lunar module from the Indian satellite. We got it from the Lunar Reconnaissance Orbiter. These pictures look a little bit sharper. That's cool. I'll take, yeah, that, that, yeah. How do the conspiracy theories explain that? Well, we went to the moon and we put down props. They're, they're not real lunar landers. They're just props. I'll do one more. Um, uh, Road Rider, uh, are we walking ourselves into the kill zone by having our own convoy heading to DC? I worry about this myself. And what's the purpose of this convoy? If mass mandates are being lifted even for political reasons only, vax mandates? I was a little conflicted until today. Canadian cops equals bad for clearing up a static peaceful protest. Seattle cap cops bad for not clearing up uh, Chaz and Chop. Those are the, the Antifa controlled areas of, of the city. Love those law enforcement orders when they work on our side. Hate those same LEOs when they don't work on our side, but, I su but, but support the other side. Do you feel the same way in some small way? No, I feel the same way in some very large way. If you saw what I did, uh, only went up this morning, so you may not have a chance to see it, and you might have posted the comment. Yeah, in fact, you did post a comment before it was up there. But if you look for um, the deep state surfaces, you'll see I included about a 90-second video of Canadian cops doing the full-on brown shirt kind of thing. And I want those people in jail. At the very least, I want them off, off the police force. They don't, they are absolute first grade museum quality fascists, those guys. That's what they are. And when somebody said earlier about how do you convince people, look, I've never called a policeman a fascist in my life until I saw those Canadian cops doing that. So we're in all new territory here, right? Because that really is in fact, absolutely is in fact. Um, so, um, anyway, uh, there's getting to be a, a, a bit of a, of a, of a, a kerfluffle in the comment section. Uh, guys, we, we don't have to agree. In fact, I'm glad we don't agree, but we got to remember we're all friends here, right? So, everybody in this comment section is a smart person, and if somebody believes something different than they, they've got a reason, and maybe you can convince them of your reasons, and maybe he can or she can convince you of theirs, but let's not forget that, um, that, that we're all friends here. It's not gotten ugly yet. I just don't want it to. Um, so keep the gloves up. Yes. Um, 
So, uh, he says, I became very unconflicted the moment I began to see video coming out of Ottawa. Roughing up citizens with cell phone cameras, I used that video. Trampling citizens with their horses' hooves, breaking into cafes just because they were open and once served coffee to truckers. And let's not forget the pastor arrested on a highway and roughed up then. Let's not forget that. I'm going to have to go because I have to go to the vet and, and pick up some medicine. But I will just say this. This is going to sound very callow, and that's okay. The most remarkable thing about the Canadian trucker convoy, the reaction to them, the most important thing about the government's reaction to them is how far off brand it is. That's that's what's going to be important. How far off brand it is. Canadians cherish their reputation, which they have earned as civil, decent, polite, neighborly, compare, compassionate people. This is their brand. This is their self-identity. Canadian identity comes down to two things. We are different than America, look at our health service, and we're the nicest people in the world, and they are. And when the nicest people in the world are, are running around wearing black riot gear and pushing down little old ladies, that is off-brand. And what that means is, it means that, that Canadians, large numbers of Canadians, I don't know if it'll be enough of them, because apparently more than half of the Democrats in this country think that, that, that what they did was just fine, taking their money, yeah, they're, yeah, they're against the government. Yes, but large numbers of Canadians are now feeling ashamed of themselves. And large numbers of Australians are feeling ashamed of themselves. Right now, large numbers of Russians are feeling ashamed of themselves. Six months ago, I was feeling unbearably ashamed of myself or whatever Afghanistan was. I'm ashamed of myself and my country every day. And when you have this kind of emotion that's just constantly like ambient lighting and just gets brighter and brighter and brighter as people become more and more and more ashamed of what is being done, not by them, but in their name. Now you're at the point where something serious could happen. And I don't mean like a, a shooting revolution. I mean, I mean, we will see. We will see. But if San Francisco is voting people off of their school board for being too liberal because their children are so far behind, this again is what I'm saying and have been saying and don't like what I'm saying, but nevertheless, there it is. These, the only thing that would cure those San Francisco progressives of their progressivism is giving it to them. So, you guys want a, a, a former terrorist's, you know, changeling for your city DA? Okay, or your mayor? Okay, you got it. Congratulations. Well, our kids are getting stupider, and, 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 and yeah, they are. We told you this, but this is what you voted for, so there you go. This is the only way to cure it. It's the only way. It's like, it's like any other disease, this progressivism. You're immune to it. Or you're not. 
But once you're exposed to it, you become immune to it or you die. That's how diseases work. That's how it works. A new pathogen come here or anything like that. Uh, everybody's going to get exposed to it. You're either going to survive it or you're going to die. If you survive it, you're immune to it. Really immune to it, not pretend immune to it, not a shot a week immune to it. Really immune to it. So, we'll see. Listen, I, uh, there's a lot to talk about tonight. I feel bad about ducking out, but I got to go. Um, I've got about uh, 22 minutes and I got to drive for 10 of those at least. So I'm going to have to bail here. Uh, we'll be back on Monday night. Um, I just don't want to forget it for God's sake. I'm going to put it in the calendar and I'll put an alarm on it and all the rest of it. Uh, Tuesday, hopefully, I'll be doing the show with, uh, with the future ruler of the earth. Okay, stress-free lunch. Special edition. All right, there it is. Uh, and now uh, I must uh, adieu. Uh, for anybody who is heated in the comment section, I have no problem with heated arguments. I really don't. I, 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 that's what people who passionately believe in things do. But... We're all friends afterwards. Uh, and Steve uh, Iselin says, uh, after party on Discord. There is. And there will be, um, if you're watching this on YouTube, you missed the after party. But for those of you watching live, uh, I'm sure uh, somebody can post a link to that. All right. Uh, this show is made possible by the members of BillWhittle.com, uh, who we never, ever, ever, ever uh, get tired of thanking because... Uh, because we are genuinely honest to God, grateful, all of us, Scott, Steve, all of us. So, um, yeah, so I'll see you guys, um, see you guys Monday, Monday night. And I have a feeling we won't be short of things to be talking about.